Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark, and on today's episode we're going to be going back to the movies. Yes, we've had a couple of episodes recently with singers of bands, and you know I love music, but I bloody love films, so I'm so thrilled to announce that on today's episode, I'm going to be joined by the actress Shauna MacDonald, and this is a huge deal for me. The Descent is easily my favourite British horror movie of all time. I think Neil Marshall produced a masterpiece. It's got the best suspense, it's claustrophobic, it's so eerie, the creatures and the monsters are done to perfection, and I absolutely love and adore everything about this horror classic. So to know I'm joined by the leading actress, Shauna, wow, it blows my mind. Let's just talk a little bit about the last episode. So I was joined by Blood Red Shoes and I think Laura was a great guest. The feedback's been phenomenal as always and I'm so glad that people are tuning in, checking out their band, checking out the previous albums and the brand new album. And that's the best thing that I can ask for. If you haven't heard of the guests and you still tune in and you still listen and invest your time on that episode... That means the absolute world to me. And then to know you go out there and then check out the band's music. You did it for Black Peaks, you've done it for Refuse, you've done it for Hell is for Heroes, you've done it for Ruben, you've done it for Jamie Lemon. And now to do it for Blood Red Shoes means the world to me because they're a band that are touring right now. The new album's unbelievable and they're getting really good recognition. They've been in the business 10 years and they're still going now stronger than ever. So thank you to everyone that tuned in. I saw them retweet everyone's comments. I saw them replying and liking people's Facebook comments and Instagram comments. And to see them actually interacting with everyone, it just shows how much dedication they've got for their fans. So thanks again. But like I said, on today's episode, you know how much I love movies. I've got another podcast called Skip to the End, which is all about movies. We even did The Descent as a rewatch, and I think I scored it a full 10 out of 10. It means that much to me. It's an absolute horror classic, so let's get straight to it. Here's me and Shauna talking all things movies. Thanks for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. My pleasure. It's great to finally have you on the show. What I wanted to do is, I know you weren't born in the UK, but as a baby you came to the UK, and when you were growing up, I mean at a school age or maybe at college, did you want to be an actress, or was there something else that you went after at that age? Well, when I was wee, I was painfully shy. I've got a big sister, and she would do all the talking in social situations, especially family social situations, where I would be forced to, you know, talk to adults, which was just a complete nightmare for me. So I let my sister do a lot of the talking. I also had a lisp, um, so I didn't really like the sound of my own voice very much, and I was aware that people found it either cute or funny or or weird. So I was quite happy not to have to speak. but then my mum kind of forced me, really, to join little groups and uh, drama groups and things, which I hated. But it wasn't until I joined a youth theatre when I was, I think I was 11 or 12, when I joined something called the Brunton Youth Theatre in Edinburgh. And uh, it was a fantastic group of people that were running it. And it um, did some joint productions with a youth theatre called Paisley Youth Theatre. And at that point, it had James McAvoy there. And um, that's when I met James for the first time. I think when I met James, I think we were a wee bit older. I think sort of maybe 13, 14. He's a year older, maybe two years older. But I was certainly a young teenager, and he was a, a middle teenager. But it wasn't just him. There was lots of 
young adults, young, well, older kids, I guess, that were talented, hungry, hungry to learn, fearless in this little youth theatre. And I realised that it wasn't about being loud or indeed confident. It was about this amazing buzz that you get when you're just creating a scene or working with your friends or devising something or and you sort of become a bit of a little family and everybody's a, a black sheep really so you're all accepted so it wasn't until I, w- I found that group of people that I thought oh, if I can do this as every day I will be happy you know yeah so I, I went down the usual route of I, I didn't think I was good enough most actors don't um, so when it came to deciding what you're going to do, I knew I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't quite believe that I could um, get into drama college. So I went round, you know, the universities and went to the open days and went to Glasgow Uni and Edinburgh to see what it was like. And it was just that I just felt like my throat was closing when I was entering the building because it's sort of me going to lectures. It just I would have been swallowed by the system, I think. Because my grades were okay, but they weren't that great, you know. Anyway, and then I went for an open day at what was used, was called the Royal Scottish Academy of Music and Drama. And it was just like the feeling I got again when I discovered the youth theatre. It's this amazing space and where you could just, you know, com- delve into it and, and learn your craft. And, oh, it was just so exciting, but I knew it's so hard to get in. But I knew I had to give it a really good go. So at that time, there were two very good schools, one called Queen Margaret and one called, well, the Academy. And I actually asked, James helped me, and uh, another friend of mine who I went to um, UCA to work called Malcolm Watson. They both helped me with my pieces. You had to do one contemporary, one Shakespeare. Queen Margaret didn't want to see my second piece because I totally... <laughs> bombed the audition oh. but it kind of made me focus the mind and then I did the academy piece and I got in the first time so wow. the rest is history really so I went to drama um, college when I was 18 and it was just oh I just absolutely loved my time there in Glasgow and then shortly after I moved to London when I was 21 so yeah kind of started and I'd done a bit, bits of filming here and there um, when I was younger my sister and I we set set up a cleaning company called the Handy Helpers No Job Too Small that was our little tagline sounds so dodgy we used to walk dogs babysit clean cars clean our mum's friends houses anyway we, we used to clean for this guy called John Coulter and we'd take it in turns and clean his flat when we were about I think 15 or something maybe 16 anyway when, when I was sort of talking to my mom about being an actor at 16 and she went look Sean I just write to John's sister John's sister Anne is a big agent in Glasgow I'm like what just put John Coulter down as a character reference and, and write off and see what she says so I wrote off to her and uh, she wanted to wanted a meeting so I went to meet her when I was 16 and she said I see you've got John Coulter down my brother is a is a character reference and you clean his flat <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was like, yes, as well, I'll tell you what, I'll keep you in mind for an advert. And I thought, fantastic. And uh, so she took me on board just because, you know, as a favour, really. She had no idea whether I could act or not. And then, that was, you know, shortly after I did get into drama college. But it was a good uh, early start because the first thing I did was 
when when I was with um, the UCA chair, I was talking to you about we we we, we travelled to Paisley every week, which is about. 65 miles away because we loved it so much and they have quite a reputable company now and they used to get approached by casting agents so they were casting something called The Debt Collector which had Billy Conley in it years and years ago um, so when I was 16 I went out for this audition and I got a very small part in this film but my scene was with Billy Conley and, um, <laughs> and I think uh, I didn't really appreciate well I did appreciate that it the time but I didn't realise, you know, it was completely just handed to me on a plate. Um and I think having a bit of work, something on your C V early on helped just to break the ice almost and um and I, I was lucky enough to work throughout training as well, bits and pieces. What I wanted to know, like obviously you got into it around sort of your late teenage years and you were lucky enough to move to London and stuff but were you actually yeah. a big fan of films growing up in TV or were you just it was more theatre I, yeah. I, lo- I loved films but I just um, if Netflix had existed when yeah. I was young it would have been amazing because it's just in your living room and it's almost free it feels free you kind of forget you've got to pay monthly but for me back then I think it was more Going to see plays, reading plays. Um, I did love film as well. I mean, I was totally in love with Leonardo DiCaprio in um, Romeo and Juliet because yeah. we studied. I was we studied Romeo and Juliet, and Baz Luhrmann had just done the film, so I just watched it on repeat over and over and over again. I got a super high mark in my in my English paper because I just knew all the words. You kind of got to remember though. There's a lot of things that don't happen in the film that do happen in the play like Romeo kills Paris at the end and all this stuff that you've kind of got to remind yourself but um, I just kind of loved the passion and I just, you know anything to do with romance and anything like that when I was a teenager I just just loved it so much but um, I remember distinctly actually going to see I think it might have been a Chekhov play. I had no idea who this bloke Chekhov was at the time, but there was this, I can't even remember the name of the, the actress, but she was an, an Irish actress, and I went to a theatre called the Royal Lyceum and watched the play. And I think I was only about 15, and I remember watching that woman going, I want to do what she does. And I just thought her life seemed so magical that she could do this every night, go to a theatre and perform and be a different person. I just thought it was like this, you know, untouchable thing that I just desperately wanted. And I couldn't quite, I didn't quite know exactly what it was, you know. And of course the reality of being an actor, very few moments <laughs> you feel that you're, you're always sort of chasing the high of when you were a kid, when it was so magical, you know. Um, it's like, your first drink of alcohol that high. Yeah. was <laughs> trying to chase the first drink and you don't get it, you know? But I always, I just didn't think I could do it because, you know, just a wee lassie from Edinburgh, you know? I'd, and also, when I was growing up, you've got loads of regional accents on the telly and, and in film now, but you didn't really hear Scottish accents so much. And you couldn't really name any Scottish female film stars no. really. I mean there was Kelly McDonald but that was it really yeah so 
you kind of always thought I had to be something else, you know. And at that time at drama college, they do they did hammer into us this RP, which you know received pronunciation English accent. But things have changed a lot now, you know. Uh, people recognise it. You've got to have all sorts of diversity. So, and what you're you ha- what you're born with naturally is, is your greatest strength. Some of your early work on TV, stuff like Taggart, um, State of Play, and then obviously yeah. Spooks. Yeah. How how did those kind of auditions go, and how was that kind of a, a something that you believed at that point you could then do? Because you said it was always a bit of an uphill struggle being from Scotland, and at the time you felt that it'd be challenging to get these roles, but you were landing these quite big, successful shows. Well, when I was nineteen, I was cast, and I was still studying, so it was in between my second and third year. I took a time out at the end of second year to do this movie called The Rocket Post, which had. Uh, Kevin McKidd, Ulrich Thompson, uh, Eddie Marsan in it, and I was the co-lead, and it was set in the Outer Hebrides on the island of, it was actually set on the island of Scarp, but we filmed on Tarrancy. Do you remember the, 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 how old are you? I'm probably a lot older than you. I'm 36. Okay. Um, do you remember the documentary Castaway, where they put all this, these people on, Yes, yes. Well, that's where we shot the movie. Um, so we would. So I got landed this part. It was about this island girl, and my dad's from the Isle of Lewis, and my granny was actually called the same name as the character I was playing. So I picked all this up in the auditions, and I got the part, and I couldn't. You know, it's a. You know, you always. I always can't believe it when I get any part, really, especially when it's a lead. I remember I went. I went down to London for the the screen test we'd done so many auditions and you had to do a big screen test and I got off the flight in Edinburgh and my mum and dad picked me up at the airport and my dad said come, come over here and he had this cool box with him and he opened the cool box and there was a bottle of champagne in it and I said dad look, please I don't want to get too excited it was just you know it's just a screen test we still don't know and they went your agent phoned us when you were on the plane that they were so excited you've got the part and I was like oh, oh my god I thought, that's my, so good I was so excited but like any actor any actor will tell you the thrill of it's an offer is very closely followed by holy cow how am I going to do this part <laughs> I'm going to be found out oh no I can't act <laughs> reality know? kicks in reality kicks in exactly so I was whisked away to the, you know celebrities for for six weeks and I shot this movie and I worked with an amazing director called Stephen Whitaker who sadly um, passed away not long after we shot the movie actually and uh, he just took me under his wing and allowed me to allowed me time to make mistakes on the movie you know and helped me because things like continuity I had no idea and I was so and, and also you shoot everything out of sequence and I'm like how am I going to I'm going to enter a building and then I've got to exit it on a different day and got to remember so they were just they just treated me so well and it was just this magical time and I had my 20th birthday in a curry house uh, in uh, in Stornoway with Eddie Marsan and Kevin McKidd and I was thinking how is this happening to me and then I my agent said you know Shona you don't have to go back to drama college but I was adamant I had I wanted to finish because I want not necessarily because I wanted the degree but I wanted to keep on 
being allowed to make mistakes. I didn't I didn't feel quite ready to be completely out there with the shark. So I did go back, completed my last year. And then it was time to move to London. And my mum said to me, Shauna, I don't think it's a good idea for you to go to London. You've got no money. And then I got State of Play, which gave me a couple of grand. And shortly after, I managed to land um, Spooks. I mean, it does seem like the... I was definitely on a lucky yeah. streak um, in my early 20s and ignorance is bliss and the more it worked, I think as well, it wasn't really ignorance because, you know, I had been allowed to be, it's quite scary when you start doing auditions and you kind of got to learn that everybody's just a normal person and we're all just trying to make a movie. But when you're the actor, you, you feel lower status for quite a long time. So I guess... Because I was had experienced auditions, it didn't. By the time I was twenty one and graduated, I wasn't quite as nervous or overwhelmed as overwhelmed as my possibly as some of my classmates might have felt if they, you know, had to go down to London for a casting. You know, but these, you know, confidence comes and goes as well. There's been points in my career where it's, it feels like I've never done an audition ever in my life, and suddenly I'm just this quivering wreck in the room. <laughs> It keeps you going, though, and it keeps you kind of grounded. Yeah, yeah, I'm a very grounded person. Gosh, I live, um, I've got three daughters. I live very close to my family in Edinburgh. I run a youth theatre. I've got 150 kids that attend Edinburgh Youth Theatre, which I'm the artistic director of. I'm a grounded person because I don't want to be otherwise. I love the, the magic of filmmaking in yeah. terms of how you go away and you get to all play and you're all in it you know the cast and crew and everybody the production team are all in it to tell the, a story that you feel passionate about and then I go back to absolute normality that's you know? good. and I guess that's the difference between me and maybe other film stars that I'm not a film star but me and film stars who go from job to job to job to job to job to job and then sometimes they crave that normality they want to I yeah. just want to wash my own clothes <laughs> you know I mean you hear all that I just want a normal life yeah you know so I guess I, I've got a fairly good balance so it would be criminal of me not to mention The Descent it's yeah. easily my favourite British horror movie of all time um, yeah I was actually quite surprised when I was doing some research. I, I actually didn't realise it's 14 years old this year, which is just... I know. It just, it's scary. But um, it's what I really like about it is it's the suspense, it's feeling claustrophobic, but it doesn't age. You watch it now and it doesn't feel like it's 14 years ago. It still looks like it was filmed only last week. It's, it's, just a, it's clever because it's a simple story. Yeah. Because it's about friends... And when Neil, when we were talking to Neil before the, the filming, I remember he was describing it to us. It was kind of the antithesis to Dog Soldiers. So Dog Soldiers was about a group of guys, or friends, it doesn't really matter that they're guys and we're girls, but a group of friends that face a common foe and they stick together and fight for each other. Where This is about a group of friends face a common foe and it all splinters and fractures and by the end it's every person for themselves. So it was groundbreaking because it was obviously six females carrying the film and because 
in terms of, because I, I often get asked, is this a girl power type movie? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It kind of depends what you class as girl power and being a feminist. We kind of leave each other to die. We maim each other so we <laughs> die. We yeah. are sleeping with each other's husbands. Yeah. I don't know if it's really, come on, you girls. You know, we're strong and fearless and... And it's, it's nice, especially in that genre, to see females uh, fighting for their lives rather than running away, screaming, asking where the nearest guy is to help them out. Um, but really, when you break it down, it's, it's about a group of friends that um, that get lost, yeah. you know? And uh, It's a simple concept, but it works it's, and it's timeless. Yeah, it does work really well. And we tried really hard. And we always like, I want... And of course, it's genre, and, and horror has so many subgenres as well. So you're ticking the boxes. It's it's monster horror. It's you know. Yeah. Um, he really wanted it to be realistic people in an unrealistic situation. So yeah. he wanted to add as many layers to us as he could because he realised if the if the audience don't get on board with you, they don't recognise a part of them in, in you or in another in a character. They won't care if you die no. or not. So you have to keep them to the very, very end of the film. So that, we tried our very best to... I can't, because I've done quite a few horror films now. I've done, I don't know if it's five or six, and I try not to play the genre. I try always to play the scene. And in, you know, back in the day when, you know, you're training as an actor, you, you get talk very early on about following an objective, knowing what you want in the scene, knowing what your obstacles are, and manipulating yourself through the, the obstacles to get your objective. And I still think you have to do that in a genre film, in a heightened genre film, in a in an action film, to make it interesting. Because that's what, that's what engages an audience, really. Um, so I try not to pull faces and do that sort of... I try not to do a standard scream. I try and, you know... If, you know, it's, you can easily get into a rhythm of that horror acting, and I think it's. Um, I don't enjoy watching it, so I try. I try my best to make things as creative and colourful as possible. But horrors are lots and lots of fun. You get, to, especially for what the ones I've done. Yeah. Um, you get to do acting that in a in a drama. Oh, it'd be hard to. I don't know how to get away with. I recently did a film called um, The White Chamber, which is another, it's more a thriller genre, but we've been put into some horror film festivals and it did super well. Um, but the one I'm thinking about in terms of what I got to play physically as an actor is a, a film called Nails, where my character, it's not really a spoiler to say, but at the very beginning of the film, she gets hit, hit by a car and then she ends up paralyzed from the waist down and her right arm is in a uh, in a brace and she's got tracheostomy in her throat so she has to c- communicate through a, through a computer so this film was sold to me like you know um, diving bell and the butterfly you know where he's got locked in syndrome yeah so I was playing it like that I did my research I spoke to speech therapists I went into the um, the high just dis- dependency unit at a local hospital and, and was allowed to to be, you know, led round and shadow someone. And I did my proper research, my medical research, and I know that on the day, you're shooting a low budget, uh, micro budget 
um, horror film in Dublin, they're not going to care about what I know about tracheostomies and 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 um, the effects on your speech when you have brain damage. They want it just to sound a certain way. But for me, it's really important that I do these. I do go through the stages and I do it properly because I just feel. I think the more knowledge you have, um, the more secure you feel, and you're more likely just to feel free as an actor. But Definitely. So it, it sounds a bit odd that I sort of do these steps for for films that you never know what's ever going to happen to them. I think Neil's it got a Netflix release, but you kind of, for horror films, because there's such a hungry audience, there's so many made, and you, you do know that some, some of the films you make will never go to the cinema ever, you know? Yeah and it might just go straight to DVD. I'm not letting you get away with talking a little bit more about The Descent because I've got you here now. And what, <laughs> yeah. what I want... I'm not talking about The Descent. I just try not to repeat myself. Yeah. But yeah, and I'll ask I'll answer anything you like about I'm, um, I want to know what it felt like to be cast as the lead because you've been in supporting roles on TV and Taggart and like we mentioned as State of Play, but the whole poster's you, the whole trailer yeah. is you the whole film is based around you, your life, your background. That's a big step up for you. It was a big step up. I didn't realise that. And actually it was set up in such a complicity manner where everybody is part of the machine. So um, I got the script, and this is back in the day where you you didn't really get script emails. You emailed to you. you a you nice got them paper, yeah. Or you would physically go into your agent's office and pick them up. So I picked up the, the script, and I was this is when I was living in London, and I had to make a trip up to um, Edinburgh. And uh, my pal, who I went to drama college with, Simon Conlon, was making the trip as well. So we got on the train, and I said to him, "Look, I've got this horror film to read. Um, will you read it with me?" And he's like, "What's it about?" I said, "Well, it's about six girls that go caving." And he's like, "Oh yeah." Are you wearing really tight lycra and a really wet cage? I'm like, listen, I've, I've been told it's not that sort of movie and it's the director of Dog Soldiers. He's like, oh, and I'm like, I know, let's just read it. So we were reading it and we were slowly just getting completely drawn into this, this script. And by the end, we were both like, oh my God, this is astonishing. And this was the time of... 28 days later that had just come out and we're like this is the next 28 days later I was like I know so I had three auditions um or was it four three auditions in the screen test to get that part and the first I can't quite it's a long time ago so the bits I remember I remember very clearly we'd already cast Alex Reed who played Beth yeah um so I read with her, I think it was either on the second or third edition, and Neil Marshall, and we're just in this office in Spotlight in Leicester Square, and Neil Marshall has has laid out chairs in a tunnel. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, okay, so I want you to, um, you're crawling through the crawl space, through the chairs, and um, you're, you start to panic. And then you think the cave is going to collapse. And then you really panic, and then Beth comes along and she saves you. I'm like, what, really? We did here now? He's like, yep. I'm like, okay. So we just did it, and it, it was very clear from the very start. Uh, you commit, you absolutely commit. You commit to the scene. It doesn't matter that this is an office, and everybody can hear you. You know, you commit. 
Yeah. And it was it was kind of uh, a little um, taster of what the whole film and the experience was going to be because he was very clever that he cast six relatively unknown actresses who had everything to prove and nothing to lose and uh, we all got on really, really well and we just absolutely fed off each other. We couldn't get enough of each other. It was brilliant and unlike many films now we got a, quite a lot of rehearsal time before and we've got a lot of training time got a lot of bonding time we drank a lot of alcohol and we trained really really hard and we got to know each other really really well so we we went caving in um just outside sheffield and that was horrific because they played a trick on us so we kind of tried to arrange ourselves in this caving experience as if we were the characters so uh, Natalie who, who played Juno she went first and then I think I, I think then it was Nora Jane Noon who played Holly because yeah. she's meant to be you know this base jumper and, and then I think it was Saskia and then possibly Mayana and then me and then Alex so we go caving and it's this amazing experience it's underground waterfalls abseiling down an underground waterfall. Yeah, I'd never experienced anything like it in my life. And it was that sort of dead silence you get. Yeah. And that temperature where you're just uncomfortable all the time. Just not freezing, just uncomfortable. And the silence is absolutely deafening. And then when you turn your torch off, it's a blackness you've never felt. It's so suffocating. So (laughs) the, the guide said, go down this tunnel, there's a surprise at the end. And we're like, okay totally green so we start going down this tunnel and you know you're crawling and then you're doing sort of um that army crawl on your stomach you're really and you're the top of your hard hat is starting to scratch against the the top of the tunnel i mean it's horrific and i'm i up until that point would say i was claustrophobic but i was doing this film and i was like i have to just deal with it have to deal with it but I was very very uncomfortable and then at the very so I'm near to the end but I'm totally sandwiched in there's no way you can turn around at the very far end of the tunnel we just hear Natalie going it's dead end (laughs) what it's a dead end it's a dead end go back go back and she's starting to panic about it because she is dead end and there's like five girls behind her and she's like (laughs) go back back." we're all going back and that was supposed to give us some sort of, you know, real life experience of being trapped in a cave. We're active. We can pretend. I don't know what it's like <laughs> to take someone's leg out, but I can pretend. Yeah. So that was, you know, it was. But what it did was, it did bond us. Yeah. It bond us. And um, we realised how how horrific it is when you think you're trapped and when and also we had no idea where we were we were completely disorientated and at the mercy of the people that were leading us so for that i guess it was a good experience to put in your little toolbox of things um, but a great bonding experience and we did white water rafting training, which was fantastic. It was just, you know, just this amazingly awesome film. Yeah. Um, and the girls are, we're, we are friends for life. I mean, Saskia is now um, Mayanna's agent <laughs> for a start. Wow. Yeah, and Mayanna Burring has just gone from strength to strength. She is just nailing it all over the place. She's smashing it. She's And she's, oh, she's just brilliant. And, um, 
I saw Nora Jane last year when she's over in the States now and I went over and hung out with her and got to spend a few days staying with her and it's it's well, you know what it's like when you have an experience with a group of people yeah. it doesn't really matter how long you leave it uh, or what really happened in your lives um, you're you've you've got this the shorthand of conversation with them and you just feel so utterly connected and grateful and I love them I deeply I love these girls so much you know and Neil as well you know he brought us all together and it was an amazing experience and and I wish he'd employ me again, but that's another matter. <laughs> so you're not going to be in the new Hellboy film? Nope, he's not employed me again. He's employed Mayama and Nora Jane. <laughs> I'm sure it's coming. He's still a dear friend. But, um, yeah, it'd be nice to get another job out of him. He's doing super well these days. Yeah, it's great crazy. Thing. Yeah. Massive. But um, what ending do you prefer, the US cut or the UK cut? Well, obviously the UK, because it wasn't just the UK, it was the UK and the rest of the world. Yeah, so, it's just the bloody um, Americans. Well, they said that to me, and I think that's patronising them completely. They said they'd done lots of screen tests, and it was too bleak for the Americans. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Bleak for Americans? Have you seen The Deer Hunter? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about, bleak for American audiences? Um, but what happened because of that, kind of spiralled in to The Descent Part 2, which is a real shame because they managed to, we shot a whole different, The Descent Part 2 is a different conversation and a different experience. And, but um, one thing that The Descent Part 2 missed was the connection between both of the films. Um, and we shot a whole different beginning to Descent Part 2, um, which involved... Um, you know, do you remember at the end of Descent where the it, Sarah left with her daughter and the cake and then the camera moves slightly round and you realise it's just her and the firebrand on yeah. this cave and the camera slowly pulls back until she's a dot in the yeah. distance. So Descent Part 2, and we shot all this with a different actress playing um, Jessie because Molly was too old. So a different actress and we shot her from the back so you couldn't see her face. So uh, we were told that it was direct continuity. The camera pulls out and then we go straight back in. So we did this at Ealing Studios. We go straight back in. Uh, the doctor stands up, puts her hand down to Sarah, as in, follow me. Then they both jump into an abyss. This is a big stunt day. Jumped right. into an abyss. Uh, the abyss turned out to be uh, this underground water torrent, this rapid, which they had half submerged uh, a tunnel that they sort of put sideways into a U-shape and said to me on the last day of filming, okay, Shauna, so we're just going to tie a rope around your ankle and we're going to just pump some air through this water to make these rapids and we're just going to pull you through this tunnel. So you've got to act like you're drowning. And I'm like, okay, this is not going to be hard to act like I'm drowning. So they did all this, and they do dangerous stuff on the last day, really, if they kill the actress, they've got a film. Honestly, that's the <laughs> truth. So they did all this, and it was horrific. And then it cuts to another, and this is all big stunts, this lake, this um, still lake, and the lake had some sort of Lyme's disease or some 
something weird in it so they wouldn't let me go in above my head they would be threw in the stunt girl so the stunt girl is waiting totally under the water uh, holding her breath and then she bursts through and then they go okay bring in shauna so i go up to my neck and there's action so i pretend i burst through and i'm sort of crawling to the side and i'm shouting jesse 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 because in my head in sarah's head she's constantly looking for her daughter that's the whole point um she thinks her daughter is lost somewhere there in the cave she thinks she's left her in the cave and she's got gotten out and her daughter's been left and then it cuts to that we've got a missing person to search. So w- when I got the call to watch Descent Part 2, I was actually pregnant with my second kid, and I was in South Africa at the time, in Johannesburg, because my husband was filming there. And they said, but we're filming, uh, we're showing Descent in Fright Fest. Fright Fest in Leicester Square on that massive screen is amazing. It's just an amazing experience. So they said, well, you come over. And I said, well, will you pay me to come <laughs> yeah. to my flight? And they're like, no. I'm like, what? Like, no, we can't. So I said to them, I well, I don't think I can come. I can't afford it. Anyway, John, the director, um, said, I'll pay for you. I said, no, you can't pay for me. You can't pay for me. It's just the principal. Anyway, I'll pay. It's fine. So I paid. I brought my two-year-old. I flew over myself. I went to Edinburgh, picked up my parents and some pals, brought them down to London. My dad babysat my daughter. I'm sort of waddling in. Uh, I lied on. I lied to my doctor to get a fly certificate, and then my doctor lied on the letter. And I, she was saying I was like five months pregnant to fly, and I was actually closer to eight months. Anyway, so they're all a big lie. <laughs> so naughty. Uh, and I'm massive in the pictures. I'm so huge. Anyway, so I do the press junket before the film. And then nobody has told me. So I do the press junket, and they're like, "How you know, The Descent was such a, a rounded film. How can you make an extension of it? Brother? I said, oh, it's brilliant how they've done it because, you know, um, no spoilers. But anyway, and I said, look, it's about the daughter. It's about the daughter being in the cave because in my head, the reason why Sarah goes back in the cave is not because of amnesia. It's because she thinks her daughter's in the cave. And they told me during filming, okay, we're, we're going to... And post, we'll keep playing that sort of laughter that you get in yeah. Descent. We'll keep playing Jesse's laughter to remind the audience. I thought, okay, great. And with that scene at the beginning, this is brilliant, it's a no-brainer. And then the sacrifice at the end, you're like, of course she doesn't mind because she's with her kid. Anyway, all that. And I sit down and watch the movie and it goes straight to me running down the hill. I'm like, what? What? And I'm like, oh, you're joking. <sighs> They've done it. They've just blown it. They've blown it, and they were allowed to blow it because of the U.S. ending. Because if you go straight from the U.S. ending yeah. into Descent Part Two, it com- makes complete sense. And but the irony is, the U.S. didn't even put it in cinemas. Descent Part Two, they didn't like it enough. And I'm like, no wonder, because you patronised them. <laughs> you know, <sighs> it wasn't good enough. Anyway, that's my rant about Descent Part Two. <laughs> Right. I, I don't I don't like it and it, it didn't need to happen. I'm gonna be honest, I just I always look at it as just there was one film and it was perfect and it ended perfectly and yeah. it left it how I wanted it and I just I know I don't it doesn't well, when exist. It, when the descent was doing really well, um they called me in and wanted me to sign for three films. Yeah. And uh, I said, I'm not going to sign for three films. Why should I No, I'm not gonna do it. No, no, it's a perfect film and they went, Kinda like the Alien trilogy, Shauna. I'm like, Oh, Nice. 
Ah, I'm Ripley. Yeah. I'm listening now. So, yeah. And it was always script dependent, and it just they had such an opportunity. And I totally agree that Descent is just perfect. It's this gem. They had a, such an amazing opportunity, and and they blew it. And Natalie and I were, yeah, um, yeah, we were sad. We worked as hard as we could, to, and you know, it was made five years after as well. And, yeah. And we we read a lot of scripts that were just really bad before we did Descent Part Two, and we kind of, with the discussions, felt we could probably make something that, and by that point, you're legally bound to do it, and then. You know, you live and you learn. I should have pushed for creative control if they really wanted yeah. me that much. They would have allowed me creative control, um, but I just didn't play that card. So. But hey, since then we had Filth, we had Hal, yeah. which I really enjoyed. I love yeah, that horror yeah. film. It's well, great. That's Paul Hyatt, who did he did all the special effects, uh, crawler makeup for the Descent. Yeah, so he, he brilliant. Yeah, so he. Um, he contacted me when I was in Australia, had three kids by this point, and my husband again was filming away, and I was just being a mum, and he said, look, I really want you to be in in this horror film, and I'm like, I can't work, Paul, I'm up to my eyes and children, like, I, you've no idea, it's, it's totally impossible, and uh, I'd have to get childcare, and it'd just be crazy. Anyway, I remember speaking to an actress over there who was in um, Banished, um, and she said, Shauna, take the job, take the job, and you will work it out. And she was over there with her two kids. And I was like, you're totally right, what am I doing? So I did take the job. It's a logistical nightmare because um, Cal was still away. But I'm really glad I did it. And it, yeah, it's, it's, a great, it's a great monster movie. I think it could end 15 minutes earlier. But yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, it's great. More people and need to know about it as well. It's a bit of a hidden gem. Yeah, it is a hidden gem. I think Paul is, you know, he's, sticking around he's sort of learning his craft and um you'll be able to get all his movies in one dvd release you know yeah uh or we'll do a paul hyatt festival one day but no he's he's definitely one to watch he knows his stuff and then even looking at the last few years it's been busy for you like i didn't realize until i think only six months ago that you're in the last jedi you know you can say oh, yeah. you can say to your your kids now i'm in star wars <laughs> yeah. that's pretty damn yeah. good <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy. I didn't even audition. No? I mean, it's a very minor role. But it's still, but you're still in it. Yes, I'm still in it. it, it, it that was a crazy gig to get, yes. Um, yeah, my dad went to the toilet, though, when he when he was in the cinema, and he missed me. Oh, what? <laughs> I could go and see it again, but, yeah. But uh, don't blink too much if you're looking for me. That, that was a great film to do. I mean, it felt like, I mean, it was back in Pinewood. Um, and that's where I did the first series of Spooks, and obviously that's where we shot um, the original Descent. Yeah. And uh, so, so oh, I love going back to Pinewood because it feels like now I'm at home and now I can work, and yes, it's going to be amazing. And uh, it felt like I was at a convention. It was really weird, but actually, that is Carrie Fisher. Oh my goodness, you know. Yeah. It was, um, and the, the scenes I'm in, I am lucky to be in a lot of scenes where there's all the animatronics and all the aliens and all the massive sets and it was really exciting you know it was great to be part of and do you know what ryan johnson what a gentleman what a lovely lovely bloke just the way he ran the set was just great i mean i loved i remember watching brick have you ever seen brick brick's a great film 
remember watching that when I was in the States. I'd been invited to go over for, do you remember there was the MTV Awards? Um, the Descent was up for a couple of MTV Awards, so they flew me over and um, put me up in this like totally fancy hotel, and it was just this sort of crazy three days, and um, I think I was up at crazy time, jet lag time, and I just watched a movie on the hotel um, telly, and it was Brick, and I had never heard of Ryan Johnson before, and I was like, this is an incredible movie, everybody should know about this, and uh, yeah, and lo and behold, he's now doing Star Wars. It's a hell of a thing, and the fact we get the new one as well this year, it's it's exciting to be a fan of the uh, the Star Wars universe. Yeah. I think, is this not the last one? It's, well, it probably is until Disney want to make more money, and then we'll get episode <laughs> yeah. 10, but yeah, for I now. You, for the, it's probably the smallest part I've played, but the, the largest contract I've signed. Yeah, I bet you that know, was scary. Like the Bible, and uh, it's so steeped in secrecy and... You get talked to very sternly by uh, the security guys that come and see you in your trailer and tell you the terrible things that will happen to you if you tweet anything or if you release any photos or if you, you know, tell anybody anything. (laughs) We all had to call it Space Bears, which is ridiculous because as soon as you say, you know, what you're working on, Shauna? Oh, I've got this part in Space Bears. Oh, you're doing Star Wars? I'm like, well, you know. <laughs> or if they say, what you're doing? I can't tell you. Oh, you're doing Star Wars then. You yeah. Know, it's just, it's a bit silly. It got a bit, a bit silly. Um, but hey, you've been but, in Star Wars and that's I've something been in that Star Wars, is yeah. awesome. I mean, some of my favourite TV of last year was The Cry. Um, yeah. And when you popped up on that, I did again, I didn't know. And I saw you and I was like... Yeah. This is heartbreaking, this TV, and I think Coleman's one of the best actors in the world, and to see everything on set, I was like, yeah. it's just absolutely some of the best mesmerising TV on last year, and I think you must have been thrilled to have your name attached to it. I was really thrilled, and actually, my my part was only, it was one full day filming, and then a little bit at the court, and so it was great, and I, and, yeah. and I think it was nice for, for Jenna, actually, to have a day where it's you know, she's got a bit of a breather because yeah. she had to do a lot of stuff, you know. Such so heavy scenes. It's a really nice day. We just shot it in Glasgow. Oh, yeah, we're going to the National Television Awards, actually, um, next week. So I've been invited to that, so that'd be nice. Awesome. Because um, I cried up for a few things. So, yeah, no, it's done. And it's great. Synchronicity Films It's a Scottish um, a production company and Claire Mundell, fantastic producer, is just doing great things. And, in Scotland, we're really pushing for a uh, uh, um, filming studio because unlike, you know, Belfast, the Game of Thrones completely transformed Belfast. And we've got Outlander here, but we don't have a uh, purpose-built studio. So we're desperately trying to get all that together. And at the um, at the premiere last night of Mary Queen of Scots, Nicholas Sturgeon was saying, we are, you know, this film studio is coming. I'm like, why is it coming? No. So we're hoping to produce more and more work. Yeah. Um, because that was mostly shot in Glasgow and Edinburgh, which yeah. is great for us. And didn't you have um, recently, I think, was it a couple of years ago, you had the Avengers filming in Edinburgh? Yeah, there's quite a lot of filming yeah. in, in Edinburgh and Glasgow. More so in Glasgow. It's just slightly cheaper to film in Glasgow. They're a bit more set up for it. But yes, we could do a whole lot more. I mean, Scotland's 
beautiful. It's so filmic, you know. Yeah, and, it is. You know, it, the landscape changes, you know, between 20 miles of each other, not even that. So, uh, and there's loads of talent. The, the, the trouble is holding on to the talent and holding on to the technicians because obviously you're going to move to where the work is um, and the work generally is in, you know, south of the border. So we're trying to our best to generate a bit more. And I'm not... You know, I want to work all over the world, but I do quite like seeing my kids. Yeah. So it would be nice to be able to work in Scotland occasionally so I can see my children, you know. Um, so we're really trying to get... Uh, and also bring in lots of work. It's not just about telling stories about Scottish people. It's nothing yeah. about that. It's, you know, it's having a viable film industry. Uh, and we really hope in the next 10 years, you know, we, we'll have absolutely established one you seem to do really well with the balance of being a mom having was it three kids or four sorry i've got three three yeah. and uh, how old's your oldest so 11 9 and 5 so again so they've I not had... they've not seen the descent yet then no i keep threatening when they're a bit <laughs> naughty okay, i'm gonna make you watch the descent <laughs> learn then you respect me uh no they've not seen it yet some of the high school kids um yeah. that come to the youth theater have seen it uh so they've got a new level a newfound level of respect for me but um no i my kids i do i voice a character in danger mouse yes um, so, a lot of episodes yeah so they've managed to catch me do that and um, my husband and i did a really cute thing a couple of years ago where we both um our friend cast something called Katie Morag which is this really lovely little Scottish um set of books that they made into a series um so we we did a little bit on that so they got to see us do that but yes you're right most of my work is I'm either getting tortured or there's something dodgy going on you know and yeah uh it's not too appropriate for them I've recently done a sitcom, though, with John Cleese and Alison Steadman called oh, cool. Sunset with Jason Watkins. So that will be coming out in uh, spring. So that's wholesome family uh, viewing on a Sunday evening. I think we've got the slot just before pole dart. So, oh, nice. Um, yeah, so that'll be nice. They'll definitely be able to watch that. There must be something nice about the feeling one day of sitting down with them when they are in their late teens and saying, look, this is mummy in a cave beating the shit out of these monsters like the, <laughs> yeah. that's a quite cool well, they've feeling seen, yeah they've seen the images you know yeah. and they've seen pictures and they someone at I think it was London Comic Con gave me a pop doll that she'd had made oh nice uh, of me a personalised Shauna McDonald pop doll and that was when the kids were like that's so cool <laughs> like I told you your mother's cool come on girls <laughs> So, yeah, when when random things like that happen, they go, yeah, that's cool, yeah. I asked this final question to everyone that's been on, so every single actor or musician or director, and, you know, you've told me very honestly how your career started. Now, things have changed quite a lot. Um, obviously, now we're unindated with YouTube and streaming services, and people don't go to the cinema as much. Um, yeah. But if you wanted to give some advice to actors, and obviously you run these academies and these drama schools, but what is the best advice you can give people now that are listening that want to try and become an actor or an actress or a, a director and get involved in an industry that is so difficult to make a name for yourself in? Yeah, well, 
I'd say, I guess in a paragraph, I'd say, never believe your own hype. Always watch everything you can. Watch, go to theatre, watch lots of different types of films and, and telly. Just kind of get all this, watch great acting. Don't watch rubbish acting. Watch the best, do the best. And uh, just every part you get, you have to work your socks off for that part and don't expect anything else to come of it. So you have to do your absolute best on set. Don't get distracted with what your phone's doing, what you're tweeting, no. what you're Instagramming, you know. Do your job and to the best of your ability and then as soon as they've wrapped on the film, you just have to move on and never expect that to... I've had a few... This film I touched on before called The Rocket Post. I did it when I was 19. They were talking about BAFTAs, Oscars, Sean, you're going to be made, you're going to be a star. It, it took five years to get released, you know? Yeah. And that was a really good teaching in what it's like um, being an actor in the film industry. You have no control. So to retain your self-respect, you just have to do your absolute best work with integrity. Don't blow out someone else's candle to get to the top, you know? and just and move on after each job that's good advice and hang up your clothes <laughs> hang up your clothes when you finish shooting don't leave them in your trailer for someone else to hang up that's just rude and watch Romeo and Juliet again and again and again and again oh yeah but you have to turn it off at the wedding because then it just gets really sad yeah so just leave it at the wedding when everything's nice <laughs> that's the best advice you can give <laughs> So there it is. There's my interview with me and Shauna MacDonald, an absolute beautiful woman, a fantastic actress, and so, so good to interview. Just, you heard how much passion she's still got, how much love she's got for the stuff she's done and the stuff she's got ahead of her. She's a great mom, she's a great person, and one of the best actresses I know, and I absolutely adored her in The Descent. She's, oh, I just... I absolutely love it. Her TV work is fantastic, and that interview took a long time to happen. But the best thing about these podcasts and the whole interview process is it's usually a case of the best ones are worth waiting for, and Shauna definitely proved that today. If any of you have listened today and you haven't seen The Descent, where the hell have you been all your life? Go and get it now. Don't bother with the sequel. It's awful. But the first one is a classic, and a British horror classic for a reason, and a cult classic that people go mad for and my god if you have just checked it out for the first time please jump on facebook or twitter or instagram and let me know what you thought because i would love to experience the descent again for the very first time it would blow my mind as always everyone thanks for tuning in to the mark and me podcast i still can't believe we're in episode 54 55 is coming up it's just getting really really busy i'm doing more and more interviews in the background there's so many happening right now i think i've got enough till may and there's about another five or six in the pipeline that are just about to come through if you can support me it means a lot i have a patreon page i give funkos away i give t-shirts away i give random signed posters away i do all i can to get prizes and reward those people that support me for doing this podcast if you want to do that, the link's on markandme.com and you can sign up for as little as a dollar a month. And all that money basically goes straight back into the podcast. I don't pay myself. It means I can do more interviews, travel the UK, meet more and more people and get more content, which in the end means more podcasts for you. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I'll be back in probably... 
I don't know anymore. I say one week, I say two weeks. The way it's coming, you're getting an interview probably every week. I think you did in January as well as skip the end. And I will sleep one day, but hey, until then, keep tuning in and I'll speak to you all in maybe a week or two weeks' time. When I wake up, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. And when I go out, yeah I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. And when I come home, yeah I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's coming home to you. I'm dreaming, well I know I'm gonna dream, I'm gonna dream about the time when I'm with you, but I would walk 500 miles, and I would walk 500 more, just to be the man who walked a thousand miles, to fall down at you. When I'm working, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you. And when the money comes in for the work I do, I pass along every cent of it to you. And when I'm lonely, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's lonely without you. And if I grow Dream about the time I had with you.